folks. Welcome back to the office. And the office is rather crowded today. We've got a uh, a slew of folks who are returning from previous episodes. And um, rather than uh, list their, their accolades and all that sort of stuff myself, I'll let them introduce themselves. And I'll let them determine in what order they want to do that in. Hi, uh, my name uh, is Polly. Um, the internet knows me better as that's underscore Barnaby. I'm a TTRPG illustrator and an anthropologist on the internet. Uh, my name is Nerdy. Uh, I am a musician, uh, TTRPG uh, person, I guess. I don't really think there's a title for what I do. Um, and uh, yeah, just overall weird nerd on the internet. And I'm Justin, also known as Freddy's roommate all over the internet, Twitter, TikTok, and on Instagram. And I got roped in this community weirdly, but I'm here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I am a TTRPG enthusiast as well, as well as a communications nerd. So yeah. I have uh, I've asked all y'all here to, today because uh, Barry and I were discussing, you know, we wanted to get a group of folks together to talk about something. And I thought, who do I want to talk to? And what do I want to talk to them about? And I thought gaming, and this is the first crew of folks that I thought of because I really appreciate how thoughtful y'all are and how uh, interesting y'all have been on on past episodes and just in the stuff that you put out anyway. Um, and also I'm just, I'm getting, uh, I'm trying to increase my proximity to, to Matt so I can get um, backstage passes when I come see him in concert. Anyway, <laughs> so. <laughs> the long time, baby. Yeah, it's, I'm working the long game here. Um, no, but really and truly. Uh, so I want to talk about gaming. We mentioned, y'all mentioned RPGs already. But gaming and culture, and I'm leaving it a little bit open-ended because uh, I think there's so much to sort of get into. I don't want to pigeonhole us into one particular subject matter. There's a few things I want to give us a little bit of leeway to mess around a little bit. Uh, and when it comes to RPGs, when it comes to role-playing games and all the different iterations of them, right? Uh, you've got your tabletop role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder or things like that. Uh, obviously, there's uh, massive multiplayer online games like World of Warcraft and what have you that, you know, have been hugely popular in the last several years. Uh, and then even just sort of the more linear games like Baldur's Gate or Skyrim or any of those other kind of like uh, uh, individual role playing games, they have so much opportunity for customization, for dealing with real world phenomena that are incorporated into the games and that sort of thing. And that's really what I, I think is, is fascinating. Um, but first, I want to start off with a question for each of you, and that is. Uh, what is your main class and why is it rooted in your childhood trauma? Whoa! First of all, how dare you? I mean, how dare you? I mean, I'll go first. Um, my favorite class to play? Here's the thing I, I'm a DM or a game master yeah. more often than not. And. I, as a, as a DM and a GM, I love when characters have goals and like set things or set things that they want to accomplish that helps me inform them about the characters, which is one of the reasons why I love paladins because it's a purpose is built into the oath and the play style. Don't give me that look. It's not the cop class. Don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're going to say. It's not a cop class. <laughs> You but warlocks say. being in the same token, uh, I would say, or clerics in the same token of like, or any characters that have a built-in like purpose into their like, I guess, game style. I love, but number one, I would say paladins, divine smite, can't get mm -hmm. enough of it. Starting off with some copaganda right off the top. Oh my uh, god! <laughs> can't, can't <count> <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I think it's. Just, I think it's just because I'm on the other, literally the other side of the coin, which is essentially the same thing. Because my favorite class is warlock. And it's, it's, wow. We are. We are the coin. <laughs> we, are, we are the coin. Both sides of either one. Mm-hmm. I love. I, I. I love warlocks. I think. Um, in Dungeons and Dragons, I guess, since we're since you know my favorite class, that's the game I play the most. Um, I would say that that's my favorite uh, because it's just it's the most interesting. It has a lot of lore built into this, like how you make your characters. A lot of options there. Um, I like having sort of a limitation <coughs> on what you can do, um, and then figuring out how to be the best within that limitation. I think that's a lot. Um, it's one of the reasons why I love the Flash. So you see you know, a shirt, he's just run fast, and he has to find a way to do a whole bunch of stuff with just that, you know? And I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. So Warlocks really tend to do that. But just because I don't want to do just Dungeons & Dragons stuff, I will say if I play Monster of the Week, um, which is a very mm-hmm. different game, Ooh. a different type of game, I like to play the Monstrous class. Um, I just, it's, how is it related to my childhood trauma? I I'm not trying to say that I was viewed as some sort of a, a, a monster in my mostly white neighborhood uh, that I grew up in, um, but I I was <laughs> so that's kind of the vibe I guess I like reclaiming it um, and sort of like just being using things that people think are like negative or scary and using them for like my advantage is cool. I play I like the, when I do get to play because I also fall in the same sort of category as. Uh, Justin, I DM a lot. Uh, I DM a lot of games, but when I do get to play, uh, I like to play a druid. Druid's my favorite class. Um, I'm I'm a wolf kid, Cla- uh, classic wolf kid. I just oh, like no. animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what I am. Uh, you, uh, you follow me on TikTok. I'm also a monster fucker. Any any way I can make it happen, <laughs> I'm gonna make it happen. Uh, no. I just like the options. Uh, we are like, not like even five minutes into the show. We're Kelly. already like. we're already <laughs> betting down the monsters. <laughs> okay. So I was going to say cleric because I grew up Catholic and that's just, I'm working through some stuff and that's just me. But, um, that's real. But yeah. Fair. Fair. That is. Uh, when every time I play a cleric, I play an amalgamation of priests that I've known who just talked way too much crap for like their station. <laughs> right. So that's, that's, hmm. that's, you know, mostly my, yeah. But so anyway, the reason I bring this up and we already touched on it a little bit is the aspect of like our paladins cops. This idea of how social issues. <laughs> like filter into the game, right? In some cases they were built in from the beginning, right? Mm. And we can we'll talk a little about uh, a little bit about the more unfortunate side of uh, uh, unfortunate aspects of things like race and whatnot a little bit later in the show, but one of the things I want to talk about is how all of these games incorporate some variation of like there's there's obviously danger, there's aspects of combat, there's social ills, that kind of thing, like can you think of a time like when a game maybe incorporated, whether it was a, a, a TTRPG, right, which is user-based game, or a game that you played, uh, like a video game or something like that, where it got maybe a little too close to a particular subject matter, right? It made you a little uncomfortable. I, I'm, I think I'm one of the last, the last few people who just does not like Baldur's Gate 3. I tried. I did through Act 1. Ooh. I just mm-hmm. don't like it. And it's because it hits too close to home. I don't want to be microaggressed. 
I don't. I did not pay sixty dollars to be microaggressed because yeah. I played tiefling. I started the game as a tiefling. Damn. And boy, oh boy, did they remind me. Like, hey, <laughs> I was like, I was like, when am I going to be called the N word? Where is it at? I'm waiting. It's for coming. It. It's <laughs> waiting. You mean and knife I, ear? Is that what you're referring to? That, I was gonna it. talk. That's what I was gonna say. Knife you, ears. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I. And I don't know. Go ahead. It, it's it's it was just it was too much for me. Like, um, it was so, it was, it was such a weird dissonance for me, especially like. A lot of the people, because we all exist in the TTRPG spaces, especially the different initiatives that are like, yeah, fuck, fuck racism and D&D. And then this game came and I was like, hey, but what if what if we just put it aside for a moment? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love it for everybody, but it was just it was too much because it hit too close to home, especially given some of the recent things that are kind of happening in the world and some of the parallels that kind of come mm-hmm. up with that. You know, uh, we, we are in a really racially charged moment right now. Uh, we're a lot of radicalization and stuff kind of existing and it kind of just casually, you know, be able to play with that. Um, just too much for me. It's, it's too, you know, too much honey in the tea for me. I can't do it. Um, more power to everybody else who was like able to like do some, cause I heard different people talking about like, oh, I can play it. Cause I talked to other black people about it. Like, I can't believe you playing this game, you know, like in private conversations. Cause I'm not like, I'm not like Justin. I can't get up on the internet and just say the most wildest shit and then get dragged by the internet about it. I, listen, I'm not, not every- listen, <laughs> listen, someone's going to say it. Someone's going to say, it. I'm not even that controversial. Keep in mind, I'm not that controversial, but I think, I think I've been saying, I've been saying this for years, years about how D and D it's baked into its core. Like from like the nugget of grain of salt that came into Gary Gygax's mind is bioessentialism and colonialism, right? And I yeah. and then I get on the internet and I say like, hey, you probably shouldn't do that. You probably shouldn't make up like magical slurs for your players. You probably shouldn't do that. And you're saying, oh, you are crazy, Justin. That's part of the game. And then many <laughs> years later, people get on Baldur's Gate and it's like, wait a minute, the it's, game. It's Everyone's got a threshold. It, like it, <laughs> yeah. everyone cannot put up with it till it's a really good game. That's I, the I thing just, is like everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like the thing is like literally this. Keep in mind, I do not have a PS5. I do not have a PS5. Ooh. But the game is significantly different, and in some cases harder depending on what race and class that you play. So if like if people attack you on site hmm. because you are you decide to be a tiefling or whatever, that's. That's a very different play style, and and some kids it's could put you at a disadvantage. You know, I so I played I played Baldur's Gate. I so I I I ain't got money like that. So I had to wait after everybody already got it, and I was hearing all the Discord about it. And I was like, "Damn, so niggas are mad!" Okay. <laughs> I was like, "Niggas are mad out here!" Oh no! And so I was like, "Well, what is this game?" And so I, I checked it out, and I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie, it was a lot. I think. I think what was the because I played. I I made a drow because I like you know it's, it's like is black is black. They had black humans, but like it, I don't know something about it's not the same. And so I was just like, I, somebody had said something about a, a, a like again tieflings for they're the niggas in the game. So like they just get attacked, and I was just like, dang. That's wild that they just said that. Ex- yeah, they. It's wild that they just said they said something about like them being inherently evil or bad or gross, and there was no option to just like punch that dude. And then also, and this is even more so than that. Not that it's not a big deal. 
slavery in that game is so casual is so casual like they just like throw out oh yeah they're slavers and these people do slave and you can bargain with them and you're not you doesn't affect your moral compass in some way that you don't immediately have like a like a visceral reaction to slavery it's wild so i, I will say that I, I definitely get that i was gonna say that my most discomfort not discomfort bad but like discomfort like dang people are really in this was dragon age because when i played dragon age uh for the first time, I was like, I'm going to be an elf. I'm going to be from the city. And essentially, you start off and you're just in a ghetto. Like, you're just in a, like, a, like, a, like a government-created ghetto of all <laughs> knife-ear. You start off in Section 8 housing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you start off that way. And, like, the cops come <laughs> in and, like, bust up your shit. <laughs> you know, I was just like, what is this? They're like, shut up, knife-ear. And then there's, like the other elves that are like off in the woods and they're the people and they're like we was kings man we was kings and i was like dang is this is this just a black <laughs> is this just black being black the game <laughs> and so no, I, that was the I'm, first I'm time so sorry. i'm so sorry i'm laughing because it's not funny i just imagine <laughs> you starting the hotep revolution in dragon age like we was kings well, that's what it is it's that's what it like, is I've only, that's like, the game i've owned my only interaction with it was the netflix show that came oh, okay. out because mm-hmm. i i went mm-hmm. in, i i don't have any relate because i was a mass event girly i Played Mass Effect, oh, but I didn't. We out here for Mass Effect. Yeah, 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 Mass yeah. Um, and I watched the show, and I was like, "This shit's wild." And this is this how the game is. And you, I don't know if y'all know. I'm sure you know. Uh, uh, B and B, who was big Dragon Age, uh, Dragon Age girly, was telling you, like, "Yeah." And then they gave me this whole breakdown. I was like, who's playing this? <laughs> I played. I played all three games because I wanted to. Rev- I wanted to get my people free. Is what I wanted to do. You can't start me in the ghetto, getting my my wedding rocked by cops looking for drugs or whatever, and then expect me to not just like start the revolution. I can throw magic. Like, nah, I'm, I'm throwing <laughs> fireballs. Nah, we fighting. <laughs> so this. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one more thing to kind of add on to the, mm-hmm. the Dragon Age thing. I was talking to my my partner and a couple of friends about it, and I was like, "White people will forgive anything if it's gay." Like, it like <laughs> watch it, watch it, and one like uh, Baldur's Gate three two, like ah racism. But I can romance this one boy and make him kiss the other boy. <laughs> They'll forgive anything. They'll forgive anything if, if they're like. And there's this twink over here in the corner that yep. <laughs> you can. There's a little character. It's fucking wild. Give him a me. sassy it's, little vampire, and they will turn a blind eye. To everything I know about that man to. is against my will. Everything I know about that man is against my will. So this actually reminds me of something that I think my first, um, maybe most salient experience with this sort of sort of thing of fantasy racism outside of all the stuff that i was inundated with as a kid maybe the moment where i like realized oh wait a minute this is something here was actually skyrim because Ooh. in skyrim you have to make the choice between supporting like the uh the the folks who are the the nords who are going for independence which also means um they're trying to like exile or get rid of basically everyone who's not nordic right uh, as opposed to if you go with the uh, imperial side and you try to keep everything together, but that also means like basically committing uh, cultural genocide by suppressing a religion. So that's kind of the thing at play. And then in that game, 
I don't know if y'all recall if you ever played it, but like you come across like where some of the elves haven't pushed into like poverty, right? Like they have houses that are set up in the poor parts of town specifically. Like if they're going to exist, it's going to be on the on the wrong side of the tracks, right? And so that sort of stuff being uh, being the case, but it is it is so common. I mean, like you know, Justin, you mentioned it is baked in from the beginning, right? This sort of like disenfranchisement. It's the same thing within. Um, Within fantasy settings where like you have half orcs, for example, right, who are almost always the product of uh, non-consensual uh, sexual relationships, right? And then I'm pretty you sure have that was the, the in player... the book. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was in the book. Yeah, like yeah. it said that. <laughs> yeah. It was orc, orc raiders taking human wives, right, mm-hmm. or concubines or something, right, and then producing these offspring that you could play as who were the product of these like terrible interactions, right? So, yeah, yeah, um, and it, <laughs> it's what you said earlier, Matt, about like, this is, is this being black, the game like that, that it, it makes you wonder how many people are actually involved in this process who have the awareness to go, oh, wait a minute, hold on. We're kind of like mirroring track for track, like what reality is for some people. And maybe that's not escapist, right? Well, that's the part, though. It's it's escapist yeah. for them because it's not their lived experience, right? It's yep. so it's so easy mm-hmm. to like be able like I want to ex- I want to role play oppression, right? Mm. And it's easy to be able to like want to do that because it. it's it's escapism for you, right? Because you have full autonomy in that, and people get to be able to play mm-hmm. out that thing, right? There's so many stories, you know, that have some some kind of white person with a slight different uh, variation who like is taking the place by like uh, become becoming human detroit you know or um, yeah, yeah, any yeah. ya female <laughs> protagonist like her eyes are green and you know they substitute <laughs> that into it to be you know to be like that's a, a minority and then that's all it is like at the root of this is it's us talking about like white supremacy and how it is so central and a lot of people don't realize it right because it's baked in you know it's a part of what systemic racism is it's so baked in and so for them that is escapism right well, and, and then and then how many times you see on something like book talk where someone has attempted to recreate fantasy racism for ostensibly like like noble goals or whatever and it's like you should not be doing this why 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 did you recreate colonialism but with dragons that doesn't make sense mm-hmm. um you know so in the same vein i want to ask the question of like because i'd I, I review uh, I review panel submissions for conferences from time to time. I recently did that for a regional conference, and in the pop culture studies division, someone submitted a paper that I approved of, uh, and I'm very sure they're not listening because what are the odds? Uh, Any of they are, I don't care. It was a good paper, um, but it was yeah. this idea of like, what is the role of discomfort within gaming, right? And how do different games go about it? And they were looking at like Vampire the Masquerade as well as D&D as well as I think it looked at like um, uh, Ravenloft setting and all that kind of stuff. And so my question is whether it's about race or anything else, maybe it's about, you know, uh, particular forms of violence or, or, you know, aspects of the macabre or what have you. Is there a productive role for the feeling of discomfort in gaming? Can it be used to enhance the experience? It, it can. Um, I'll go, go ahead, ahead, Bob. Charles. Go ahead, Judd. No, uh, no, no, no. Uh, I th- here's the thing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say something slightly controversial, and I and I <laughs> don't mean to upset anyone. I, I oh, really okay. don't when I say this. Mm-hmm. Uh, can discomfort be used in gaming as a tool? Yes. 
do I trust everyone to do that? Absolutely not. I, I really don't. I, I truly don't. Mm-hmm. And like, I think, unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, actually, no, f- for a lot of people, people have used TTRPGs as a tools for healing, um, tools to work out things. And I think that is a wonderful thing. I think the problem comes when people think that it's a universal tool and that it can be applied to anything to work out their stuff when people can sometimes not be qualified to talk about those things or to work out those things. I guess yeah. in short, what I'm saying is D&D is not therapy. TTRPG is not therapy. TTRPGs are not critical race theory. They're not. Can it work? Maybe. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put money on it for everyone getting it done correctly. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree with that. Like, you know, everybody can be given the same syllabus and the difference between when not everyone, you know, gets the information. So when that is teacher, right? Who's who's teaching you? And it, it matters so much, you know, when we're talking about particularly marginalized experiences and, and trying to successfully teach and or add to it. I think there can be growth, right? Like in a uh, thing that we teach, uh, like within like a DEI work is that there's growth and discomfort, right? But what you do with that, like, discomfort is important, right? There's an immediate mm-hmm. want when we come across discomfort, right, to get defensive, right? Because there's that's just something in all of us, right? And something you have to, like, learn or train yourself is, is to explore where that discomfort comes from. So I think there can be, but I don't know that, I don't know that TTRPGs are a good, uh, if, if that's the one we're talking about right here, is, is, is a good vehicle to be able to, like, successfully teach that, depending on the teacher. Like, somebody like me running a game, trying to address racism with a group of black people, right? Or talking about that, making a space be able to talk about it. It's very different from a white guy who read Roxanne Gay or, you know, read Angela <laughs> Davis <laughs> and, and, and yeah. took the things that he took from that, right? Because he's he has, every, we're all guilty, right? We all filter information through our lived experience. And we we all have to be very you know careful, right? When we're we're doing what is a sec- essentially collective storytelling, um, about is is that our story to tell? And if we are telling it, are we being responsible in how we're telling it? Because not not every story needs to be told by everybody, uh, right? And not right. all of it needs to be consumed. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I think like me and um, uh, Raither Vo on TikTok talk a lot about because um, we do we we have like a collective like world that we make things and is the ludo ludo narrative um the the intersection between gameplay mechanics and the narrative elements it, you see it i think the most basic place that people see that it is in something like the paladin right where the there is a the narrative is tied inherently to the mechanics of the class right uh, mm-hmm. it, and it makes it easier for us to be able to like tell stories. We see that also, like just in the overall grander scheme of TTRPGs, right? Of like there are mechanical benefits and or negatives to playing a certain race or class or species, right? And mm-hmm. it teaches us things that we inherently learn. That's, uh, play is one of the most important ways that we are able to learn as human beings. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and there can be benefits to that. And but I don't. But it, it matters who is doing the teaching. And what you're taking away, because there has to be discussions after those things. If you are playing in heavy, conver- in, in like heavy themes, you as a DM need to be taking time afterwards to talk to your players about like, 
here are the things that I was trying to do. I need to know what we all took away from it because some people will take different things away from it. We can see it in how people, you know, a whole generation of people don't understand what revolutionary work looks like because they all watch Les Mis and they think that, you know, and they all consume the right. Hunger Games and and it definitely painted like oppressed people will rise up in this very certain way and it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Right, it'll, in, and that's that's not the, the thing that you need to take away. There's a discomfort in that. We're seeing that even now, you know, not to bring up Palestine, but we're seeing that in the current conflict that we're seeing with like Palestine and stuff. And, sure. And so there, I think there can be growth in discomfort. Uh, there can be growth in discomfort, but it matters who's telling those stories. I think is the important piece that I take away from that. When you when you mentioned like a a like a a, a white DM who read Angela Davis in my head, I saw like a. Um, uh, a plot character that's a drow like priestess but with an afro and a pick stick up stuck in it ah. and like how <laughs> horrifying that would be in execution right like a well-intentioned dm trying to say something like no guys i'm down it's like oh, mm, if you were i don't know if you'd have done this uh mm. so matt look like you were going to say something i uh, no, i i i think everything is like i agree with mm. what's been said i'm I think I'm caught like in in my experience. I when I'm DMing, it kind of discomfort is required for storytelling. You the bad guy has to do something that's going to agitate things. Like there needs to be something to get your character moving, like narratively. Um, so there is going to be discomfort, but what that discomfort is is you know is re something that you need to be respectful and like just cognizant of, like. Talk to your table, talk to the people you're playing with, um, plan shit out. And for me, if I, <laughs> I, this, this might be controversial. This is the controversial state that I'm going to make. Uh -oh, I, uh -oh. I love being racist to my white players. No! I love it. I love it so much. Well, folks, much. it was great having y'all on. We're going to cut it here. And <laughs> I love it. Not not to no. them as people, but I, 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 I don't like to sugarcoat it if that's what they're going to try to talk about. Because I'm going to be like, you don't yeah. even know what you're talking about. So if you want to do it, it's going to be negative. But I think that TTRPGs, it doesn't, this is me personally, if you want to do it just because you're, you're trust with your friends and whatnot, and you just, you can have those deep conversations, you can, but inherently, it doesn't work in TTRPGs, especially like Dungeons and Dragons, um, or Pathfinder or something like that. It's the Zootopia situation. Like, racism doesn't have a logical explanation, and if you have a race of people that could kill people with a look and people are weird about it, like, that doesn't count. You're not going to get the same thing out of it. Like, it needs to be completely... It's not going to be fun. Like, if you actually do it, it's not going to be yeah, fun. Yeah. So it's like, if you want to cosplay like you're oppressed because you're a such and such like i'm not gonna sugarcoat it mm -hmm. for you and you're not gonna have fun and might as well do something else that's just me personally no i, I think that makes a degree of sense and it's funny because uh, a friend of mine actually wrote a paper on why zootopia has a race problem but no i mean uh to your point like yeah if why this is if this is going to be the window dressing then i guess we're just going to like stand in it for a minute and see how you feel about it uh, Tally, you were going to say something. Yeah, so I, uh, Matt, I'm curious. So are you, when you're being racist to your players, is it racism or is it prejudice? That's a good question. Or I, 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 I try to do both um, because it's different. 
I like having like if this is something that you want to do, we're gonna have like actual systematic things that you don't get and you're not and it's not going to be balanced for you so let's say if you want to play this character and everybody hates them because they're this race and that's what you wrote in your backstory and you thought that was appropriate to bring it to me your black dm um cool you can't buy supplies in this town you will be lower level than everybody else in certain areas. Mm. It's going to be tough. Like, they're not going to give you things. You're not going to be able to sleep in the end. You're not going to, like, not just prejudice as in I don't like you, but, like, systematic stuff that's going to keep you lower leveled than your players, like the players around you, so, and you're not going to like it. So, my, my, I guess my question within that is, yeah. is is the in playing that way is the goal that they learn about like systemic racism and its effects or is it that they treat it like dark souls where it is a harder <laughs> gameplay mode that they're still having fun in right i guess that's the hard yeah. part right when we talk about ludo yeah. narrative is like you are gamifying something that is inherently yes. a real life problem and how you what you do with that is the the end result like the the end result is the part that matters right so if you're trying to mm. teach versus are you just trying to give them another form of fun so in the instance that in the the main instance in this situation that happened it was this player and i'm not going to say their name because we still play yeah, other yeah, yeah. things but they uh <laughs> they thought they were going to come in with this like i'm a dark and, and and everybody hates me because of this race i i am and then after like four like four sessions, we sat down and they're like, I'm not having fun. And I was just like, yeah, like that's what this is. And we had a real conversation about, first of all, just I, I always tell my players, especially my white players, like, don't bring me that. I'm not going to have fun doing it to you and you're not going to have fun experiencing it. So might as well give me something else to work with. But we had a real conversation about it. And I think it changed how they go about walking around so it wasn't like a dark souls like oh now i just get to grind harder it was more of just like this isn't fun and i was like yeah imagine if you couldn't stop like imagine if you couldn't just walk away from the table when you got upset like imagine if you had to like wake up with that so i think it's a little different but yeah yeah, it, yeah. i don't want to gamify it i just i always I, I don't know. I don't know how to say it. It's sort of like the push them into the deep end and just let them splash around until they realize they're not going to enjoy this. Not everybody is not everybody's down for that. I'm not saying that you. It's something yeah. that people should do. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I, I, like, I, I, I'm, I'm not here to piss your cornflakes about it. Just <laughs> I wanted to explore that and see yeah. like, what is that looking like for you as like one black DM to another black DM because I yeah. don't do it at all because it's not fun. I yeah. need so desperately for people to, especially like in the kind of work that I do, I need so desperately for people to understand that no part of racism is meant to be fun or to be enjoyed or that it is to be pacified in any shape, form, or fashion. It is, it is, it is dangerous. Like, and it's in this, when you're raising it, like we're all, you know, we're all various forms. Mine is Barry, of course. We're all some various <laughs> form of Shout out Barry. Of brown, just Shout out Barry. Barry. Italian or something. <laughs> the, 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 last time, the last time we had Justin on, he was like, well, we're amongst ourselves and Barry. And, <laughs> and Barry, the sleeper agent. Just writing shit down. Don't be raising. Got it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Mark's fucking with us, you know. Yeah, Mark is rocking. But like, we're also we we've all experienced, you know, because we all come from different classes, you know, different classes and and various things and different education systems. Paladin, warlock, um, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Paladin, <laughs> warlock. Um, but we uh, we all we all to some degree have like ex- experienced racism and like we're raised with it, right? There's so many things that as, as I've gotten older and learn more about how deep racism is and how intrusive it is in our everyday lives that like it is so pervasive that like it you, the only way to survive it is to numb yourself to it right we there are parts of like being black in in the united states right that we all just inherently know because our grandmother taught it to our mama and our mama taught it to us and those things are just things that we've always understood to be our lived experiences. And that's normal, right? Like it, it's so normal until you exit that world and you see other people who do not have to inherently deal with those things and see how, how they deal. With it. And so it's, it's so hard to be able to like explicitly tell that story or it, illustrate how hard it is or like how pervasive it is to, to non-black people or to like whatever marginalized group to be able to like share your experience or like to be able to like share that pain in a way where somebody is legitimately going to be able to like understand that um and i just and this is just me like speaking from my my own experience of like i just and and i've tried it right I, i'm fairly new to ttrpgs as a, as a as a thing i've only been doing it since the pandemic and i did initially try like that's why i don't make content about it anymore it's because like there's there's no way I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, me and uh, me and uh, Justin met during like the the beginning of that wave <laughs> of you know uh, why white people can't play you know black characters in games and that whole conversation. <laughs> and I remember going into that being like, I can I can teach these things. I'm 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 learned. I know all these things. I can speak with compassion and be patient with people. And uh, the longer I hit my head against that wall, I mean, we had that same conversation. You'll learn mm-hmm. that same fucking conversation every year. Every I feel like every year we have that same fucking conversation, the same nine controversies every year in the TTRPG space with just a different white person in place. And it's just, there's a point where it's like, <laughs> I don't know that this is something I'm going to be able to inherently teach in this medium, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know that like we can collectively, or even if that's our labor, right? As, as black people to like inherently have to teach white people how to not be racist in a fantasy setting. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I think, I mean, I was going to say that exact same thing, but it's, it's number one, it's harder to do just in general, just in life to teach people about the things that people of color or just marginalized people in general go through. I would say it's even harder when that game where most, not most, but a lot of TTRPGs are combat simulators. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you know, like they are, it is a war game. If we're just talking about the most popular one, Dungeons and Dragons, it is a war <laughs> game. If, if you don't like someone, shoot a fireball at them. That's the only option. And don't get me started on how like conversations are broken in D&D, but that's a whole other <laughs> thing. But then what's that face for? <laughs> I was. I'm interested. I'm interested. I, 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 I did not know that. I was like, oh, uh, I would like to hear more about that. Oh, uh, I'll be quick about it. It's that since D and D is a combat simulator, things like charisma and like conversational parts, which are huge parts of the game, aren't helpful when it's a combat simulator. Hmm. Like, as in, okay, so you're playing a barbarian, right? I rolled to pick up that strong object 
I roll, I get a natural 20. <laughs> yes, I pick up that strong object, I throw it out the way. If you're a bard, hey, um, I want to convince this guard that I'm, I'm also a guard. Well, what do you say? Uh, shoot. Uh, my shift is up? Uh, that doesn't make sense, because it's like in the morning. You know, you actually have to be clever. You actually have to like, in a, it's backwards in the way that like strength and like, Things like that are like, you know what I mean? Sure. Am I making sense? It's backwards yeah. in that you actually have that. to be clever that. and you actually that. have to come that. up with things to play mm-hmm. those characters. But that's a whole nother topic. But anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that I don't think it's really a good idea to do that in a combat. Teach these hard lessons, especially right. when I think, I think a lot of times as people of color try to teach people about the hard things that we go through, like we, we hit them with the hammer of racism and systematic oppression, which is the truth, which is truly the truth. But I think, I think a lot of times we miss a lot of the joy it is to be a marginalized identity, to have common ground with other people in marginalized identities. It's like, you have to have the laws, you have to have this against you, which are true and did happen in American society and like global society. But like, I don't know, like, is it is it wise to just like immediately go to that without like the joy of being a black person? You know, is, am I making any sense at all? So, no, yeah, 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 I, yeah, sense. yeah. I, I, yeah, I feel that. I, <laughs> I okay. This is just I just be thinking about it. I'm like, I don't. You don't get the joy actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's, no, that's, that's real though, like because it's a trauma response, right? We yeah, like black no. culture, particularly American black culture, is constantly just every bit of joy that we have is taken from us. It's, so yeah, y'all yeah. ain't doing it right. And then no. they, then they get, they take it, and we can't use it no more because it gets appropriated, right? And it's, it's exactly. So I, I mean, so I hear that. Actually, yeah, I hear that. Hmm? Yeah, yeah. So this is actually why in my games I usually incorporate some component of a space for marginalized people, often halflings, if I'm being honest. But like <laughs> a a space where like, okay, you can have a smoke break if you need to, kind of thing, right? Like I don't include the the there's no like slurs, there's no like systematic oppression or things like that, but there is a place where it's kind of understood like you can breathe a little easy here because you're among people who get it right. The life is a grind and all that kind of stuff. Um, but so this gets to another point though, that I want to make in that or want to ask. And that is like, we, we have, when we're painting, when, if, if you think of like running a game or playing a game for that matter, as like painting, right, you have to deal with the colors that you know that exist. And that means inevitably drawing from real world aesthetics and, and ideas and perhaps even cultural influences to create that game, right? So where do we draw that line between what is appropriate and what's not? Because I struggle with that personally, right? As like, how much of this is okay to be window dressing versus like, okay, now I'm getting into some like some stereotypical kind of stuff. I do, I do want to disconnect the idea of having to have these elements in a game. Okay. <laughs> I think so. I think it's completely possible to have a very fun, TTRPG that doesn't have to deal with socio-political issues, you know? Sure. I think it's very much possible. Yeah. I think tons of games have done it, you know? But if you want to, if you really want it, like, 
I hesitate to ask people to read because I know they won't, <laughs> you know, like, or like uh-huh. do some research besides like, I mean, it's hard enough to ask people to like, Hey, Google it yourself on TikTok. <laughs> you know, it was not immediately in front okay. of them. You know what I mean? It's, I don't know. I think it's possible to have a good game without those elements, you know? Mm-hmm. I was going to say, oh, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, you go ahead. I got a whole spiel. You, you okay, go I was gonna. I, I'm gonna I'll talk about my own personal experience with sort of just like bringing in outside influences and kind of how I've been corrected. I grow growing up in America. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't particularly worldly astute. You know, I didn't know a whole bunch of stuff. And so when I started making content and making like you know Dungeons and Dragons games, and I was like, oh. It's a barbarian tribe, and this is how they act, and this is what they look like, and this is their chief, and da 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 da. I was just throwing out like stereotypes and native culture appropriation without even uh-huh. understanding what I was doing. And it wasn't until someone pulled me aside and was like, yo, dude, like that's a lot. Like it's a, like you're, it's not a, it's the, it's not a costume conversation it's just applied mm-hmm. into how you're making your stories and this goes for a lot of dms in general it's just like are, what are you doing like what are you actually trying to do and so that was something that i had to learn and i had to change even in my because you know i'm I'm sitting there in black i'm like i can't fuck this up i i got this like i'm gonna be i'm bulletproof and it i wasn't i very much wasn't and and so i think there is sort of like Again, it's built into how a lot of this stuff is created. Like, it's how it's worded in the book. If you want to use this creature or this character, it's written by someone who didn't think about that stuff. And so everything in the book is that. And so now you're going to have to come up with something completely different, which you can do. It's not impossible. It is just hard. Mm -hmm. That was what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. And the, the part of like what Matt was talking about is like, if you want to be able to do those things, you got to learn how to fail, right? Like, you got to learn that you're gonna fuck up a whole bunch if you're trying Next. to do better, because that's realistically the only way you'll grow is you're gonna fuck up, and you have to learn to listen, learn to listen, and be able to take the L. You don't need to argue it. If you mm-hmm. fucked up, you fucked up. Take the yep. L. Listen to what's being told you, and then you know work from there. You know, if, if someone's offering you some constructive criticism, you know, take that, right? It's mm-hmm. and sort of like to go back to like that pain metaphor that like you were talking about. Are y'all familiar with Mummy Brown? Mm-mm. So no. in, in the back in the past, uh, I don't in my mind right now, I don't have the exact period of time, but there was a certain color of brown known as Mummy Brown. Mummy Brown was made out of the remains of mummies from e- Egypt. It was a color that people oh, no. used in paint that was made out of the remains of dead people from Egypt. Is and this why we have so many, like, fucking... Okay, keep going. Oh, that sounds yeah, yeah, yeah. horrible. <laughs> and when people in the past was like, you know, get some pushback on it and be like, stop doing, you know, it. stop fucking doing that. And they'd be like, no, this is the only way we can achieve this certain color of brown. I, I think that leads into sort of like what you, you were kind of talking about, like Gabriel, about like mm-hmm. what you have to do is you have to learn how to make that same kind of brown in another way, right? Like, sure. 
there are so many things that people will say is like, oh, this is the only way you can do it. This is, uh, it's been like this for forever. And what you have to do is force yourself is to do some experimentation. Go out there and try new stuff. Listen to mm -hmm. have different people at your fucking table. My, mm -hmm. my homebrew world, as I like coming into this space, it's like there has to be a way to be able to like build. I play, I play in a world and have built like a game that is, there's no, there's no racism. I, I, there's no systemic racism. There's prejudice. Uh -huh. there's, there's prejudice but there is no inherent racism and the only way i was able to achieve that is that i have had the joy and pleasure of of a homebrew world that has like 30 people from from D, &D tiktok all them bipoc people who help build the world the rule for coming to the table and playing in my games is that you have to bring a piece of yourself to the table so there's inspirations <clears throat> of puerto rican cultures inspirations of vietnamese cultures african cultures all these different people that because of like the internet and ttrpgs you know and D, &D tiktok i've had the joy of meeting tons of people who come from all over the world moose you know moose from sudan you know there's you know all these people that are in our space that have like this wealth of knowledge and their own lived experience that you can help collectively but i think it's the part is like it has to be collective right there's this pressure that dms put on themselves that, like i have to be responsible for making the world safe for everybody and mm -hmm. like realistically you don't have to do that if you play with a diverse group of people who have different backgrounds and different lived experiences that is a fucking wealth of knowledge you should constantly be using right we can mm -hmm. make that same color brown it's just collective work right and that's also part of like you know dismantling white supremacy is working collectively right like rev the revolution will not be had by one person it'll be had by a bunch of people sorry matt you guys seen you raising your hand yeah i had a question i'm interested about what yeah, you're yeah. talking about <laughs> a question i wanted to ask was um how would you or how would you uh suggest we add in the black american aesthetic without the systematic oppression because you don't really get it without that do you have to i don't you don't have to i'm just saying it, it, we're putting you know, know we're putting like, all these other cultures in there and then it's it, and then it's just like no except for this so, one or like what's the vibe i have i have a thought if i may yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so there's a phenomenon in the mexican diaspora called greater mexico and Greater Mexico uh, refers to two things. With a capital G, refers to like the land that once was Mexico, California, Nevada, Arizona, those places. But with the lowercase g, it refers to um, the ways in which the, in the Mexican diaspora, we recreate uh, Mexican culture in our immediate environments. So the way that we set up conclaves, the way that we set up communities where we do these things. So and And these are all traditions and stuff that are brought about because of a variety of, of, of sociopolitical forces, sometimes oppression, things like that, being detribalized from indigenous communities, what have you. But the point is, wherever we go, we recreate that culture with us. So I would imagine what might be appropriate is if you you can take the ahistorical components of it. So, for example, uh, rap and hip hop born in 1975 as a result of like having to do uh, back to school fundraisers for kids who didn't have money. Right. Like you don't have to include the. Uh, the the redlining and the um, exclusion from you know uh, resources necessarily, but the aspect of like music of a particular type, or I also think of like bluegrass music as being an extension of that as well, being born out of um, you know formerly enslaved communities and what have you. So I don't know. That's that's my kind of thought. Uh, if that makes any sense, maybe it's because TTRP 
people, so many people think of TTRPGs as, a, as an extension of themselves. And like, we are writing a story together and like, we are authors of this huge tale or whatever. I just, some, a part of me hesitates in ga- gamifying my experience or game, gamifying the marginalized identity experience. I hesitate, you know, because it like, and if I were to make a TTRPG from scratch, which is, which is, has my identity and experiences in it. I, I, there's a small part of me that's like, I don't know if I want to package that, roll that out and sell it as a commodity to people who don't look like me, who may take the wrong message because I'm not at the table explaining the lore and why this is important. You know, you know what I mean? I just, I just hesitate with that thought. You know what I mean? Like, I know I'm a bad way. I feel that I, I, I think for me as a player, when I, and I'm, I'm I'm always bringing blackness into all the characters I make. You can't help it because like, I can't help it, but I, 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 there's something about, I always give the example of fireballing a guard. Um, I've, Like in Minnesota, where I live, 2020, on the street, every day during the uprising, after the murder of George Floyd, it was a regular Mm. thing. And there, because real revolution is not something you can get with a dice roll, because real change of like the community you live in is something that's hard fought, takes decades, and we still haven't even really done all the things that we need to do. There is something cathartic about being able to sit down at a table and be like that guy was racist cool fireball like you know what i mean there's something cathartic mm. about being able to stop it like being like it, it and in in canon like i will fight the 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 lich that's telling everybody that tieflings are bad or the the elder brain that's making everyone think that halflings are worth three-fifths of a person like you know what i mean and then i can mm-hmm. shoot a lightning bolt at it and then it mm-hmm. goes away and there's i i so like I while I was like, yeah, I don't want to gamify it just for people to just have. There is something for me, like the person who's there who likes to see and then we win because there's a very real chance that I'll die before that happens. Like there's a like in real in the life I'm living. And so it's like there's a little bit of like. I just want to experience it a tad for myself. You know, I, I, that's just me, though. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm stuck on three fifths and halflings. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just saying I, I stuff. Think, <laughs> I, I, to touch back on, on something like uh, Justin had said uh, around like uh, at my table, the understanding is like everything. I take nothing from anybody. It's given to me. Everything that is shared there is people sharing their different parts of the joy of who they are. And for a lot of people, particularly BIPOC people, right? You know, we all have such deep relationships with our culture. And and culture is such a broad term, right? Like, it's not just, you know, like hip hop. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, how we eat, the things that we do. Although it's the, every, every, you know, every black person is black, right? Everything you do is black, right? It's it's, It's that mentality. And everything that people bring to the table is under that understanding that, like, you're giving me this. You're sharing your joy. The touch of, like, like, what, what, what Justin said, like, people coming into the station sharing a joy like and the stories that we tell not all those stories have to be 
you know what people do in like fantasy like they all don't have to be us like going to war they all don't have to be a civilization on the brink of changing they can be really sh close personal stories you know if you you have to look back to like I, a big thing I look back on too is like like oral storytelling and like the kind of stories that we told you know we we told prior to like you know white supremacy and colonization like what kind of stories were people telling right these stories are meant to inform us and are meant to share experiences and those experiences don't always have to be laced in trauma there is a space Matt right like for you to be able to have that catharticism of um you know being able to play out that power fantasy but if you're wanting to like get past white supremacy because that's what that is is you are shifting power to do harm onto somebody else right it, it, it touches back to like when the black lives matter movement was happening and they're like white people are so scared that like if things are equal that we will do the same to them and that is not at all what black people do that is not any group of people that are like suffered under oppression will ever do right and so you make space to be able to ask yourself if i take away white supremacy if I take away racism, what kind of stories would I tell? What kind of stories would I tell if everything was not inherently built on the collective trauma that I have been taught? And you'll be amazed how good those stories are and how easy it is to be able to tell stories minus racism. We had a whole campaign where it was a bunch of players just running a restaurant uh, and like the inherent <laughs> troubles of like running a restaurant. And like, it sounds like really cozy and silly, but like, mm -hmm. you know, there are inherent struggles in being up. There is obstacles. Yeah. There is something to build against in those kinds of stories. There was one of a, a bunch of characters. Grandfather had just passed away. He lived a full life and he wanted to be, he wanted to be buried in an island on the other side of the world. And their entire journey was just that. Them processing what their, that's dope. You know, processing uh -huh. what their grandfather meant to them, them, you know, going in on the journey and dealing with like, you know, man versus the environment, right? There's all these stories that we can tell, but D&D &D has taught us because like Justin said, it is a game built on a, uh, a t it's a tabletop game built, it's a war game. And so everything that we think has to be inherently tied to how we tell stories, we do it through the lens of war. We do it through the lens of trauma. That, it, you know, there's that joke in the space, right? Like, traumatize my character to death. It's because it's the only way we, you know, it's because it's yeah. the only way people think. People think growth and stories can only be told through that lens, and it is so untrue. The, it is so important that if you are committed to doing things like dismantling white supremacy and decolonizations, you have to ask yourself, why do I want those things, right? It's the, we go, talk back to, like, the sitting in our discomfort. Why do I enjoy that thing? Why does that thing make me uncomfortable? Asking yourself that question, right? Mm -hmm. And then being like, well, what do I want? Like, if I don't want these things to exist, how can I, on a micro level, right, you know, make those things exist mm -hmm. in the world? And it starts with doing the thing, like, you don't, oh, not every D&D campaign needs to be five month, five niggas coming in a bar and then going out and killing people for money, right? Because now you're just telling me. <laughs> <laughs> if you, gang, want, if you, if you gang, want that, if you want gang. that, go to Chicago. If you want that, go to LA. Like, you have, we all have that in real life. Like, but the point of it's escapism, right? Mm. Why wouldn't you want to play in a game where you're you know, free of capitalism? Why wouldn't you want to play in a game where you're free of, you know, all these other things? Mm. If the point is escapism, what does escapism mean to you as a black person? What does escapism mean to you as a woman, as a queer person? What kind of world would you want to play or live in if you didn't have to exist in this one? Why would you replicate your traumas in a world where you have full <clears throat> control to be able to do it? You can do anything. You can do anything in a game. And the only thing you can think to do is violence. The only thing you can mm. think to do is do the pain and trauma that people have done unto you and not think... Uh, 
it's it's stuff like there's a, there's a spell that druids have called plant growth that if you spend eight hours doing it you can completely a region can completely have food for an entire year a full harvest that'll feed a bunch of people that inherently in the game has less value than fireball why is that so yeah. right you have to think that's about real. those things it's like, that's real mm, that's true <laughs> that's real you have you, you have to think of this and and, and it's 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 not a good like there is fun right there is fun to be had in violence I'm, i don't want to discount that from anybody but i implore you and people who are listening as well i implore you to ask yourself challenge yourself as a dm mm-hmm. what what would happen if we didn't play that way what does that look like try it a, a couple of things come to mind uh tally one is um there's fun to be had in violence might be the name of this episode uh, <laughs> <laughs> the second We're here for is the second is that like um you i i have never thought about running a game in a post scarcity society but that's an interesting idea right like mm. in star trek right what if you don't have currency because your needs are being met right Ooh, what if everyone was in the military star trek i'm sorry yeah star, star trek is <laughs> star trek is if one side won i, I wouldn't no, say no, that no, out loud. star trek is if one like side in our home, in our home group world point. nobody ever has to pay for room and board or food because mm-hmm. it's a fantasy. Everyone should yeah. be able to have those things. So when you don't have to battle against scarcity, what do you mm-hmm. do to fill your time? What, how how do you solve problems? How do you try to balance your more? Like it's it's all these things that you can explore, right? They require it either it doesn't always have to be PvP. It can be PVE. You know, yeah. you the player versus the environment, or the player versus themselves, right? Like there's tons of stories that can be told internally, and it just requires you to. Also, just collectively work. I can't stress enough. A lot of DMs think like I single-handedly have to make this table safe for everybody here. I have to include everybody's cultures. I have to do all this research. Baby, come here. Come here. You don't have to do any of that shit. You can do it with a bunch of people. There are six motherfuckers <laughs> at that table who are all there, who all say they want this thing. And guess what? You can you can do it together. You can do it with everybody at the table. You don't have to do it by yourself. You can do it with everybody. <laughs> The the other thing that came to mind was like, well, if you when you said like the plant growth thing, like you could feed the village. My initial thought was, yeah, if you feed the village, maybe you can get the people to volunteer for the peasant rail gun. I've heard this phrase. I just never looked into it. A peasant rail gun is where you have all the peasants in a village line up. And you get like a thousand of them, right? And then they hand off the uh, a like rod, like a spear, from one to the other, in one round of combat. Because one round of combat is technically six seconds, right? And so that means that in order for that spear to make it from the first person to the last person inside of that six seconds, you have to go really, really fast. That means that whoever has that spear last when they throw it is going to throw it at like. 400 miles an hour right <laughs> so it also means they'll probably explode once they touch the spear but the point is right like <laughs> the point feed is. listen for the price of a year's harvest and one guy you don't even like that much you can oh make my god thing. <laughs> <laughs> motherfuckers can spend all that time thinking that shit but can't figure out how to run a game without racism <laughs> grow the fuck up everybody grow the fuck up that's crazy <laughs> i love how you said pick crap. which guy you like the least and explode him for food <laughs> shame on you all that's fantasy people that's fantasy. <laughs> but actually, this this segues into into uh, uh, another point, and that is like when you play these games, 
do you play with your own morality? No. When you make choices. <laughs> no. I'm no. autistic. I have a strong sense of justice. I can't help it. I <laughs> I mean it, I mean you can't help but put yourself in the game, but like mm. I pro- I play some pretty evil people. So <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So like I got I mean like yeah. And, and sometimes it's hard because sometimes you don't get the chance to punch the bad guy in my game. Like for example, I I'm playing this very rich man who has this mansion who um who ha- who throws these lavish parties, right? And the, one of the players asks like, "Oh, like who's like who's serving the food?" And like I told him like, "Oh, it's like floating uh champagne and like plates and sandwiches and then brings it to you and you're like oh that's so whimsical and magical until they like did an arcana check and it's realized oh it's a ghost serving us all of these food because they signed a contract binding them for life and death to work for this man oh no i know a pretty bad guy right who would think of that jeff bezos anyway um but that's beside the Ah. point (laughs) i was gonna say the british but okay that too yeah (laughs) (laughs) whoever's making that brown out of people juice (laughs) that's crazy i'm still on that i'm sorry (laughs) isn't it a good idea that's crazy um can you punch him you can oh you could take him down for sure does the laws that exist to serve that contract still exist? Yeah, probably. And that's terrible. You know, like the, the magical mm-hmm. contract that they signed or whatever. That's still terrible. I don't, I wouldn't do that, but you know, I can't I, I, <laughs> go ahead. I play with Magneto morals when I play games. Ooh, I think don't get me started on Magneto. <laughs> don't get me started. I, oh, I, I, I think I, I think that's kind of like, the, it, it depends on the character I've made, I guess. Um, I usually, if I'm DMing, which it happens a lot, if I'm DMing, it's, uh, there's this general sense of morality, but it is something I ask everybody when I come in to play a game. I say, hey, this is Dungeons and Dragons, or this is Pathfinder. Um, like how should i be viewing the taking of a life i think i will say that in a lot of games people just kind of just like hand wave that it is just like uh-huh. should my character be used to people being murdered in your world because that's a big deal for me like as uh-huh. a person as a human being i wouldn't just go like i don't like your face we're in a bar and you said something so i guess i'll use you know Eldritch Blast and you know like and kill. it's not mm-hmm. my vibe so it kind of depends on the character I'm creating kind of depends on the world that I'm making but a lot of times I use Magneto morals which is like Krakoa like stuff like oh the the one that we like mm-hmm. uh-huh. oh yeah oh yeah yeah oh I'm sorry I'm sorry I should have specified there are a lot of Magnetos to choose there are from. a lot of Magnetos there's a lot yeah. of Magnetos to choose from I'm talking about like the hey let us have our nation state and be poly and live our lives um don't make me come over there and and throw an oil tanker at you that's kind of the vibe that I kind of rock with. Um, the, it, it, the other thing that came to mind, actually, uh, Tali, when you were talking about like taking the feedback and stuff like that is that, you know, it, feedback is important. You need to be open to criticism and that kind of thing, especially if say like you create 
uh, a race of uh, sentient space apes who were created by a wizard God and then sold into slavery. It. And then maybe oh, someone's like, hey, I got jammer. notes. We're getting into <laughs> spell jammer? Don't you even know. get me started. You're telling like, me you know, people want to use the same companies. People want to still use the same company who made spell jammer. To interrogate their racism and bigotry, you know, no, like maybe don't do it. If someone's like, "I got some concerns about this," you should be open to that feedback. I, I, I just, I, I like. Ugh, go ahead. I was gonna say nobody was in the room. We weren't in the room. That's all I was. We weren't in the room. That was the most. That was the easiest. Let's mm-hmm. not do this. I've ever heard of my whole life, and they just fumbled it so bad oh no with with those kind of things you need more than one there's a couple games there's a good, there's a good black people in our spaces done some uh, diversity sensitivity reading for some stuff and i'm like i look at it and i'm like boy <laughs> okay <laughs> um i i think you need you need to if you're making like a game like you know especially if you have which was because you have all these resources i don't understand why you wouldn't have like a team of people being mm. able to look over and read that instead of just because they just put on seven. one they just put on one brown person they pick one brown person to mm-hmm. to to catch every flaw and and you can't do that mm-hmm. I, I, Tyrell's I cool I don't think it's realistic Tyrell Tyrell <laughs> said it was cool <laughs> so, see no. see no that's exactly what I'm talking about earlier what I said earlier do we really want to box this up commodify it you know um like when that whole thing happened people were like. We could use this as an opportunity. Maybe you get to like How side with the Hadozi or whatever and stuff like that. But um, it's yeah, that the, was bad. That was so, wild. And, the tools are rock. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, the the base. The it, I don't know. It's just and, and this gets to the last question I want to ask y'all. And that is that one of the things we talked about social issues. We've talked about matters of race, obviously, but like one of the trappings of fantasy is this idea of discrete races, right? almost to the point of species, which have been, uh, you know, we've had these stereotypes mapped onto, we just referenced the Hadozi from like uh, Spelljammer and things like that, but also the orcs being coded as indigenous and dumb, or the uh, the dwarves being coded as, uh, uh, in some cases, having uh, anti-Semitic stereotypes uh, baked into them, but in other instances of like different cultures and that kind of thing, or like the monk being like Asian, stereotypically right even though monks have existed across cultures and across uh, nations so like how do we feel about the evolving concept of race because there are some efforts to move away from race as it's been uh conceptualized historically right like i think uh, dnd is moving towards the direction of like heritages for example right um but we still see this as a pretty common language for character design when it comes to you know rpgs whether that's you know tabletop or video games so here's my here's my controversy. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has gotten a controversial one. Here's my controversy. Oh no! Oh no! Yeah. I've, listen, I've already said it on D and D TikTok and got booed off. Got booed off stage about it. So oh no! Again. <laughs> um, don't add. Don't have any mechanics tied to race. Uh, like it's, it, for me, it's just the just the fucking simple. Mm-hmm. Just don't have any mechanics bonuses tied to race. Have it tied to like like backgrounds or what have you. You know, and even then, that's a slippery slope. Uh, you know, I'm here uh, for that. Of being like every, mm-hmm. every, like every, every person who has like this background comes from this specific place, 
inherently has a bonus that like it's such a slippery slope to to do and it's like just inherently get rid of that and then just have people pick out their bonuses that they want right 100 percent. just i agree yeah but have them have them be feats right you can just have them be feats you don't have to have you don't have to have those things uh, mm-hmm. you, you you can have all these different cultures that have all these different things, but don't p- fucking put mechanics on them right Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't trust anybody in the house enough with the keys to be able to do the responsible things with these things. Because there is. There, is there a way? Yeah, I think in a very small micro level, there is a way to be able to like nuance mm-hmm. that and be able to. That. But as a whole, I. I think there's too many things tied. Like the thing that makes in my mind that makes D and D such a popular game is that there are like these these like this cultural shorthand. There's this lexicon. There are these stereotypes that exist, like not only within the races, but the classes and people taking different feats and all these other things that people use to be able to do to effectively do this storytelling. Right. It's mm-hmm. the it's the the stereotypes of like every bard is horny. And so there's all like as a DM, there is like this subconscious part. You know, a lot of times we're like, ah, I'm not going to let we're not going to be in any taverns, even if that's not communicated. Right. You, we have mm-hmm. to deconstruct like what what that looks like. And I, I think people take certain classes, like even if, even though they've changed it now, I think we're too we're too deep in the soup to be able to go back on it now because these things are not culturally significant. These things are so inherently tied. Like even if they change the books, people will still go back and use the old shit. People will still have those internal biases around those classes and those races, and inherently put those things together. And it it's it's not saying that it's impossible, but I don't think anybody can do it responsibly. As a whole community, I don't think mm-hmm. we're there as a community. I don't think anybody, like if, even if you move past just like TTRPGs, MMOs, mm-hmm. or you know, just fantasy as a as a genre, right? Like there's there's too much shit that's baked into fantasy from from particularly Tolkien and a bunch of the stuff that like he so that stuff is so long held that like it's hard to like, be able to like sure. do that. I don't I don't think there is there is a way to be able to. I don't think it's evolving. I think it's it's like it's like slavery it just changes its name like i said mm-hmm. that's all they've done like with, with the heritage is is they've moved those balances from the word race and just moved them to a different word they've just dressed it up it's it's racism with extra steps like it's the same shit it's the, it's the same shit i don't i don't know that there is a way you mentioned the bard thing i actually have an idea for a, a group of npc bards called the ace of spades and they're all asexual but anyway um <laughs> that's awesome but but the other thing that comes to mind is like uh, I, I have a friend who has a a child with a contraplasia, which is the dwarfism condition that like um, that Peter Dinklage has, right? Mm-hmm. And dwar in D anD D, dwarves get bonuses the Constitution, which is so very peculiar when you consider that people with dwarfism have a plethora of health problems, right? They they have an average life expectancy, typically speaking, but like there's joint pains, there's like back pains, there's all kinds of like uh, physiological problems that come from that condition. And so then it almost seems like a, obviously it was, I don't think it was designed this way, but it does seem like a bit of a weird joke because the other thing is that of all the fantasy creatures that we have represented, little people are ones that actually exist in real life. Right. And it contributes to like misunderstandings about the, about those, uh, those communities. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, that's just the thought, but Matt, uh, you were about to say something. Yeah, I, I agree actually 100% with the taking, skills and powers away from races i think that doesn't make you don't need it is if it's a game it's a game right all these things are a game you can just take it off and say you look however you want 
you look however you want and then your background is where you get your stuff like if you were a sailor here's a bunch of things that sailors get if you were a seamstress this is all the stuff that seamstress get you know what i mean i just it why not it doesn't hurt anything you actually don't it doesn't wouldn't change the game mechanically at all to to do that if you want to play uh-huh. the game exactly how it is now it doesn't require it to be attached to your race um in any sort of way i think it does get a little I, I keep I keep using X Men as an example. It does get a little X Men y once you start using magic mm-hmm. because it's just like if you can just inherently set things on fire, people are gonna probably feel a different type of way about you than if right, you did right. it. You know, but like outside of that, that's just what fantasy games are. So I think that's a great mm-hmm. idea and I would kind of rule for that sort of like just what you look like is cosmetic and then do other stuff. So as we pull this to a close, um, was there anything that we didn't touch on that you guys really want to talk about? Fuck Critical Role. I'm sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Oh, it's all right. it's all right. No. 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 I'm kidding. That was a joke. That was a joke. That it's was too a late. Joke. It's too late. We're calling everybody. Oh no. Calling everyone. Marisha's Ray is gonna come into my house and punch me in the face. <laughs> I want to get, I want to get into Dimension Twenty, but I just don't know if I have the time. You know, it's easier than fucking Critical Role. Uh, okay, uh, but don't ask me. I watch One Piece. I'm not. I I'm love not One Piece. Ooh, no. No. I've never watched an episode of Critical Role in my life. I just assume that it's something that people like because I keep hearing about it. So you'd have to point those people out to me in a lineup. I do have I do have like a question since all of us here played like TTRPGs and uh, it was something that, like got brought up a while back ago and I'm curious if like anybody else has like run into it of um, when you're playing at a table with majority like white people do you end up being a sidekick do you run into the magical negro problem Ooh. do, do no. they Lou Wilson you do they no. Lou Wilson you <laughs> because I'm destructive. <laughs> you are. I've DM'd you. You are. Okay, I wouldn't quiet. say destructive. <laughs> I make strong choices. I actually, yes, and I realized that that's what was going on at the end, and oh, I had no. my character leave them to die. <laughs> what? I was just like, I'm. Oh no! I was. It, it was. It's. It, 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 it's a very beautiful story. We love it a whole lot. You can go watch it. Secrets of the Core is fun and all that. But like, yeah, Secrets I was. Of the what? What's it called? Secrets of the Core. Secrets of the Core. It's very. It's a very fun watch, and I love everybody in it. Um, but my character, I, I, I realized like at the, like towards the end, I was like, I'm just here to to just. To dance, and so I'm. My character is gonna leave, and he's gonna <sighs> let them deal with whatever they no. need to deal with, and that's what I did. And so, like, so yes, it it, it has happened, and then I just go like. It always happens to me on APs. Like if I'm in a home game, it doesn't happen at all. But something about being on an AP, mm-hmm. I always end up being somebody's sidekick. Or somebody's wise Negro. I don't know why, <laughs> JJ. I'm just kidding. And I, I talked to other black people about it, and they said they also mm-hmm. run into the same problem where, like, they're trying to be accommodating. I, I, there's always like, this piece for me, like, is like, like being like black and being like a predominantly white space, or like, I'm like, I better be my best behavior because I'm representing mm-hmm. the entirety of, of my culture. 
And that's just like inherently like I don't want to say beaten into me, but my my mama and my daddy both like act right when you in public, and that's just inherently like you know built into me. Uh, mm-hmm. And I and there's also just like me naturally, like you all see me on TikTok. That's naturally very patient, very kind, and oftentimes mm-hmm. I, I exist mm-hmm. around chaotic people who do a lot, and both of us can't be doing the most. One of us has to have com- somebody's got to drive us home. I'm always the D and D. I'm always the DD in 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 most situations. Um, do you have to be? Hear me out. Do Hear I? Me out. That's not what listen, we all we all got our work. We all got our things to unpack and unlearn. <laughs> the nineties. The nineties have taught is. us one thing: is that our role is to be magical and to show up and say, "Girl, you in danger." That is what the nineties have taught us. Listen, listen. There's, there's a conversation we had there, right, about like that. What the the, the things that I seen growing up as a black kid. Is every other motherfucker was the black best friend, and so that's just inherently like built into my brain, and it's hey to, Arnold, I'm, I'm actively learning. Recess, psych. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep naming black psychics until we're Legend of Bagger Vance, uh, Ghost. I already <laughs> mentioned it earlier. <laughs> this is so fascinating like, to me, but for for many reasons, because like I don't know, like I, obviously we. I don't know how old you guys are, but like, I older than you. <laughs> I can tell. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 no. Why did you say twenty four? <laughs> me fucking turning to dust immediately. <laughs> no. we, we just blow away in the wind, right? No, it's like I I forced myself into the leading role to whatever it is, you know. Like if mm-hmm. if like. I don't know if this makes any sense. I'm Spider-Man. I don't care if there's like someone else. I don't, you're not going to make me like this person. No, I'm Spider-Man. No, I'm the Red Ranger. I don't want to be the blue guy. I'm, I'm the Red Ranger. I'm the most popular one. It's very interesting how like we, we mm-hmm. slotted ourselves into the side characters sometimes, you know? I think like, well, I'm always rooting well, for anybody black. Mm-hmm. And so when I consume media as a kid, I'm like, I don't give a fuck about any white people. I care about I care about that nigga over there. <laughs> Is he doing too much? Absolutely. Yes. Zach, the Black Ranger Zach. I, I did not like everything about him, but he was black. And I felt like there's, there's always this piece of me. It's like, if they black, I'm rooting for him. In the show, they could be the they could be wrong at every level, but I'm rooting for them. That's just inherently built into me. Well, I apologize for Tiger Woods every time. Yes. I will never, I will never no, slander. I will never, I will never slander black people. I will never slander black people in front of white people. Uh, but behind closed doors, absolutely. You, but not in front of white people. Tali, didn't you tell me? Didn't you tell me that Cassie was like your favorite animorph? Like, yes. Like the the probably the least interesting. Not the Whoa, least interesting, but like first, first of all, watch your tone, watch your mouth, watch your tongue. Wow. We, we don't right. slander Cassie in this house. Cassie has a lot. Cassie the Cassie is does what all black women have done for the whole entirety of history. And she was the only bitch to walk out of there with her morals and know where she stood and at no point ever compromised who she was. When the war is over in Animorphs, every other bitch in there is sitting looking at their hands thinking, what have I done? But not the horse girl, <laughs> not the black horse girl. She went home unpressed, unpressed. I said, she slept I said soundly. Only to get a rise out she slept soundly. I, I guess I gotta read Animorphs not, now. What nope. As, a, as opposed to Rachel, who was a war criminal. No, that's a good point like <laughs> well they're all war criminals wow dang. and so except for except for except for cassie but she except was complicit yeah. was she not complicit in her friends uh, actions 
She she was, but she you knew you she ran into the problem that every black person runs into when you hang out with none but white people. Eventually you just gotta put your hands up and let them do whatever the fuck they gonna do. Because you said right. your piece, you there try you to go. get them in the right <laughs> That's the message of the episode. The message of the episode for all you little black, brown, uh, uh children out there. Just if you're white people, just, if your whites are acting up after a certain point. Just go be a horse somewhere. You don't need that. <laughs> That's you don't not need your that. business. You don't need that stress. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. The books is wild. The books is wild. That they absolutely are, and I, I think that's a, I think that's a good place to end. So, <laughs> 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 no, I, 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 I said that specifically to get a rise out of Tally because I remember that from our last conversation. So, all right, folks, uh, where can people find you if you want to be found? Well, I do want to be found. It's uh, how I make a living and feed myself. So if you enjoy uh, music and other like weird stuff, check me out everywhere at Nerdy Rocks and you rocks like multiple Dwayne Johnson's. It's super easy to find all over the Internet. And if you uh, want to check out my newest single or my newest project called Crush, just type in N-U-R-D wherever you stream your music and play it like 80 million times and I can make $2. Thank you very much. I use that then, pronouns. You can find me everywhere on the internet uh, that hasn't burned down yet at that's underscore Barnaby. You can also catch me, depending on when this comes out, on Dungeon Scrawlers where I'm playing Ooh. Star Wars. Um, so please go and check that out. It's very fun. Um, it's a limited mm-hmm. time. Please check it out. It's very fun. It's a quadrilateral over on Dungeon Scrawlers. Uh, it's on Monday nights at 6 p.m. PST. Uh, and you can find me wherever toys are sold on the internet, on TikTok, Twitter, and on Instagram at Freddy's yep. Roommate. And of course, folks can find more of this foolishness at uh, GA Cruz underscore PhD on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Um, like us, share us, play us at uh, you know memorable moments. You know things that are happening. We're coming up on the holiday season. You know what really kills the time as you no know, kids are just taking forever to unwrap the presents. Play a podcast, right? Play this one in particular around your friends and family. You know, especially <laughs> share us with your friends and enemies. We'll catch you next week. Bye.